Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey guys, let me take a minute here to tell you about our latest sponsors, Just Meet It. Head over to justmeetit.ca to get yourself some high-quality meats delivered to your door directly from the farmers themselves. And when I say high-quality meats, I mean it. No antibiotics, no growth hormones, no chemicals, not even any performance-enhancing drugs. None of these animals have ever won races that they shouldn't have won, all right? And these animals, we're talking ostrich, we're talking bison, elk, animals that you can't catch by yourself. They even have Wagyu beef. So do yourself a favor, head over to justmeetit.ca, order yourself a box, you'll be supporting the local economy, local farmers, local business, and us. Justmeetit.ca. It's time. In the ring crew is here. Uh, you're still missing Kyle, though. Still missing Kyle. Yeah. He doesn't matter. Yeah. I am acknowledging him, just so people know. We got Frank and Jeremy in studio. I want to know about the belts. You brought belts in here, and you tried to attack my associate Poseidon. I, I did. You know, normally I'm, I'm putting these belts on the line usually, but uh, today I just kind of want to show them off a little yeah. bit. So you can see right here, this is the Great North Wrestling Canadian Championship. So uh, we know without bring it up, bring it higher. Let let him see this. Show. I'm very oh, curious. I can raise it up just yeah. like that. Mm. Oh, that's bad. Put it lower. Lower. There. That's it. I usually don't hold it like this because this kind of hides my beautiful face. But uh, but it is a cool fight. It looks heavy. It's uh, it, Yeah, it's real gold. And um, I've had this belt on three different occasions. So first time I won it was, I think, back in maybe 2013, 2014. Okay. Uh, I wasn't the inaugural champion. Uh, I beat the inaugural champion, who was Lanny Poffo, who's the brother of the macho man, Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Be- beat him up and down. Beat his ass all over some small little town in New Brunswick. Good. Won the belt for the first time. Unfortunately, lost it. Got it back in a ladder match. Uh, it was an interesting ladder match. You can actually see it online uh, because I won it with the help of a Canadian senator. Patrick Brazo, who's kind of the, the bad boy of Canadian politics. That's why I don't trust politicians. <laughs> yeah, you, you never trust politicians. When you look away, they'll hit you with a chair. <laughs> well, at least, at least that night, he didn't screw me over. He was screwing over one of my opponents and helping me win it. Uh, but that was pretty cool, having uh, you know, a member of parliament come out, push a guy off a ladder, and allow me to go up and grab the belt. Oh, that's badass, yeah. dude. You can see it online. It's all on YouTube. <laughs> that's there. fucking badass. And uh, the third time I won it, I won it from a guy named Wes Briscoe. Uh, his dad was Gerald Briscoe, who mm. was uh, in, in the WWE. Yeah. Uh, you know, very close to the inner circle of uh, Vince McMahon and so yeah I beat Wes Briscoe to win this for the third time and it was uh it was a bittersweet victory because I mean you know in the match itself I I sustained a lot of damage some bumps and bruises but in the end you know my superior intellect and my uh, (laughs) world-class athleticism is what paid dividends and allowed me to have it for the third time so I'm the three-time champion current champion longest reigning champion Uh, I'm pretty much Mr. Canada when it comes down to it does COVID count though because let's say in the you know when you take a hiatus because of COVID it still counts in days as champion right It, it, it 
does. But in my case, if you take COVID out of the equation, I still have more cumulative days as champion. That's fine. Even without that. So now it's just, uh, you know, a huge landslide that I'm champion by. And I doubt anyone's ever going to hold this belt longer than me. No chance. Uh, well, you, well, that's why we brought you here, actually. This is an ambush. <laughs> me and Frank are taking that belt. <laughs> People walking into chairs. Oh, and what about the tag team one? Yeah, this one is from a company called the IWS. So oh, I know IWS. Thing. Yeah, IWS Hardcore. This is the tag team championships. I unseated one of the longest reigning tag team champions in the company's history, probably the longest reigning tag team champion team, which was TDT, the Tabarnak de team. That's uh, a good name. Hope I didn't just uh, affect your monetization by oh, saying that. Oh, don't you worry. You can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome. So yeah, you know, I, I beat those two like a bunch of, you know, droopy-eyed, armless children there, beat them within an inch of their life, embarrassed them, made them look foolish. Um, but, but the great thing was is that it was not only a victory for me and my partner, it was a victory for our entire movement because I kind of started getting a little political. And uh, at the time, it was around the time of the elections. And I said, you know, I see all these people talking about, you know, the liberals, the NDP, the Bloc Québécois. And, and it kind of played into my agenda where I'm like, I'm not getting enough screen time in this company. And I think it's because of the way I look. So, you know, just because I'm not your typical bon gars Québécois, because I'm not the Québécois souche, you know, my last name's not a Tremblay or a Wallet or a Lapierre. Oh, you went against the French people? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a symbolic victory. I mean, I, I said it straight. I was like, you know, just because I don't, you know, eat puts in just because I'm, I'm not you know down in a Molson every other night just because I don't vote for the black Quebecois that's fine because you know we might as well be the black Quebecois because we are just as Quebec as any did you call else. the black Quebecois I called I literally have the shirt the oh that's black a Quebecois. good name so the black Quebecois where I got the idea was because the black Quebecois their slogan was le Quebec c'est nous yeah that, that's what they had all over their posters. we are Quebec we are Quebec yeah. pretty much so I made it black Quebecois le Quebec c'est nous aussi Wow. That's kind and of funny. That was like that. that was the idea, that. and like I said, I that's started a good a gimmick. I started a movement, man. I said, look, why are we not getting enough screen time? You know, I speak fluent French. My partner does too. Um, you know, we're, we're just as Quebecois as anyone, but. Unfortunately, they don't want to showcase us. They want to showcase these guys that are the pure len, that are the the, the pekists, the, all all that all that stuff, <laughs> you know. So this was my crusade to say, no, I'm going to fight for my screen time, and I'm going to show you people. I'm going to show you that we are just as Quebecois as you guys. You know, we're just as Quebecois as Poutine, as 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 sirop d'érable, as you know, all that stuff. You know, you don't have to be from Abitibi to Miskaming to be, uh, you know, a pure land Quebecois. Okay, you know, I grew up my whole life here. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud to be from Quebec. I'm proud to be from Canada. Good. And so it was a movement. And uh, you know, if you look up the match, the guys that we beat, they represented the stereotypical, exactly what I just described. You know, coming out with the big beards, looking like two lumberjacks, looking like like the Leduc brothers from back in the day. And uh, it was like a, it was a moral victory, but it was a victory not just for us; it was for the people. It's a good storyline. This is good new wrestling, like independent stuff. The way that they do it right is by doing what worked in the past, which yeah. is you get core subjects that people are actually talking about and living through, and you make them a fucking storyline instead of a lot of the goofy shit that the WWE is doing. Well, that's what gets people involved too, right? Yeah, so yeah that's, it's, it's got to be relatable. Yeah, yeah. you got to feel yeah, it, exactly. and then you get in. And now, you know, I think we were ahead of the curve because you look at everything that happened over the last year with, you know, the Black Lives Matters and all these other different things going on, exposing a lot of hate crimes and inequality. I've uh, been committing racism. most of them. I've been committing <laughs> most of those hate rhymes. <laughs> but, you know, looking at it like that, I mean, we were ahead of the curve with this because we're saying, look, we just want representation. We just want to yeah. be uh, seen on that same level and not be discounted because we don't fit into a certain mold, a certain archetype that you have created because of outdated 
let's call it racist principles, you know? So I think that now people can go to a wrestling show. They can see guys like Jeremy Prophet in there, you know, and it can inspire young black kids. You know, I'm very outspoken about the fact that if you look at the, the history of Canadian wrestling, and I'm a bit of a historian, um, you think of great Canadian wrestlers. There's tons that we can think of, you know, the Hearts, uh, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, even though oh, we're not supposed to say that name because he did some bad stuff. But, you know, you can't take well, away. He just took parenting very seriously. It's <laughs> <laughs> just very strict. But, but when it comes down to it, um, one of the important things was when I looked into this, where are all the great black Canadian wrestlers? And when you think at about the it, Olympics, probably doing something better than wrestling. But when you think about it, it's that, you know, you have Rocky Johnson. I don't know if you know this, but you know, the father of the rock. Yep. He was from uh, Amherst, Nova Scotia. I did not know this. So oh, he wow. was, he was Canadian born and raised Amherst, Nova Scotia, Rocky Johnson. I WWE. thought the homie was Hawaiian. No, that's no. what I thought. Yeah. No, no, no. Rock's mother was Hawaiian. God damn it. Uh, his grandfather was Peter <laughs> Maivia, who was uh, Samoan and his father, Rocky Johnson is Canadian, born in Amherst, Nova Scotia, and oh. he is the greatest Canadian black wrestler of all time. Well, that's the time where we got to show you our, our surprise guest, The Rock. <laughs> and what's insane about that is that when you go down the list, it's like, who else is there? You know, you probably haven't even cracked through the top five, and you're probably already at Jeremy Prophet. And, yeah. and I'm not trying to be braggadocious because that's not the way it should be. Unfortunately, Canadian wrestler, black Canadian wrestlers is a non-existent thing. Uh, even if you think of ones that have made it as far as Rocky to the WWE or it's to big companies, no. there, there aren't any. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's so true. I never, I never thought about that. I didn't even know Rocky Johnson was from. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's been my crusade. I've been calling myself as of late, the, the Jackie Robinson of Canadian wrestling, because Canadian wrestlers have been more or less, you know, oppressed, held down uh, all the logistics that you have to go through just to be able to wrestle in the United States. And that, I don't even mean like to wrestle for WWE or big companies just to go wrestle for any company. You need a work visa. You need to, you know, go through all this red tape paperwork. Yeah. You need to put up about 10 grand of your own money just to pay for the damn work visa. And it doesn't create an equal playing field for us compared to people in the United States that are wrestling that have access to all these companies and companies can take a look at them. They can rub shoulders with the right people, advance their careers. We can't even cross the damn border to go do something we love, even if we're not getting paid. And I think this is what's held back Canadian wrestlers and, you know, talking about black Canadian wrestlers, it, it's even more of a, of a, a stigma of a, of an oppression against them. You know, it's not right that a young black kid can't go watch a wrestling show here in Montreal or here in, you know, Toronto or wherever and, and not see a ton of great black wrestlers on the show. They, the, the representation is not the same. It's why I say it, it's almost like systemic racism, but it's more of like a systemic ignorance. It's just that like the people who put on these shows, the big companies, they're not aware of what goes on in Canada on a, on a purely Canadian level and on a, a race level. And, and I mean, I use black as an example because, you know, I'm half black myself, but it, it, there's a lot of other races you could even look at. You know, the Asians, there are literally, I think, maybe one or two, maybe a handful of Asian wrestlers in Canada right now. Uh, Some would argue because the rest of them are in Asia. Because <laughs> they have crazy, like in Japan, they have amazing wrestling. They do. Amazing wrestling. They do. But it's a case of, you know, wrestling kind of being fairly whitewashed, you know, from Vancouver all the way to St. John's. Um, representation is not there. You know, natives, Hispanics, all these things. Wrestling in Canada, it, there are a lot of problems that need to be spoken about. And I've been speaking the unpopular truth. And like I said, my crusade is to be able to get somewhere where I'll have enough of a platform to be able to 
help people who are stuck back here facing this. So that's why I say I'm like the Jackie Robinson, because it takes one guy to break that color barrier where people will say, hey, you know what? These Canadians, yeah, they may cost more, but they can make us a hell of a lot of money. We got guys who could be future champions, main eventers, Hall of Famers even. You know, there's tons of guys who probably should be getting their Hall of Fame ring right now because they were born in Canada. They don't get the same opportunities and, you know, they end up, you know, doing something else with their lives. You know, they end up becoming uh, dishwashers and street sweepers when they could have been, uh, you know, millionaire main eventers in companies like the WWE. So you're saying there's already a barrier for Canadian athletes Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, there's a stigma with black professional wrestlers. There's not a lot of them. Within Canada. Within Canada already. So just them breaking that barrier is one thing. And then they have another mess, which everyone has to deal with, is going to the States. So it's doubly, that's what you're saying, is it's more hard for, but not just black, I guess visible minority wrestlers, that we're saying. Yeah. Because you said they don't fit the mold. People of color. People of color. Yeah. I hate that. I hate saying people of color. It makes makes me feel goofy. Weird. (laughs) But it's all encompassing. Yeah, that, that's that's the difference is that, you know, when you say people of color, it doesn't just mean that it's the color of the person's skin, because, you know, you look at an Asian person, you look at a Caucasian person, the pigmentation is pretty much <clears throat> on point with both of them. So, yeah. you know, a, a people of color encompasses kind of all of that. I know I'm not here to be PC. I really don't want to be. But it's, not, it's not PC. It's actually interesting because these yeah. are sh- these are topics. It's shit that I would never even think about. And I would never even think about it, right, yeah. too, right? So and not just yeah. that, not, not just not having uh, visible minorities as wrestlers. I never even thought about. Because I know me as a comedian, it's already tough going to the States. The, everything costs 10 Gs for a fucking, uh, to, to get your visa, to get your, uh, what is it, 01 and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So everything's expensive. But I think about me, at least, it's me and a microphone. There's not training. There's not, You know, there's so much shit that goes into a wrestler's career yeah. where it can make or break you. Plus here, there's no, you can't become rich being a wrestler just in Canada. You got to fucking break out to one of, even the independent ones that in the States that have money. You know, to yeah, make it Are big. the restrictions the same thing for comedians and wrestlers? Is, is it the same story? Uh, yeah, more or less. The only difference is that, uh, you know, in talking to certain people, there are certain things where you can talk your way around it. You know, you're going to do an open mic night. Uh, it's understood that you're not really taking a job away from someone yeah. since it's a free service. We don't really have that in wrestling. It's professional wrestling. Everything is viewed as you're going there and you're potentially taking a spot away from an American citizen who could do that. You're directly yeah. impacting the labor force. We're going to hit our own black guys with chairs. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so the thing is that another thing I'd like to talk about is the fact that even here, I'm probably the only guy willing to say this kind of stuff. Everyone else is kind of like, well, you know, we, we shouldn't be saying that. We shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, uh, you know, try to upset something that's been in place for so long. There, there have been some few exceptions who've gotten through and, you know, they've done it illegally. Uh, and we shouldn't, we, we shouldn't talk about it because it's going to put more scrutiny on those guys and prevent their chances. And I'm like, no, why should we have to settle for doing these things illegally? Why do we have to, you know, pray to God for the grace of the underground railroad just to be able to go and perform our sport? What we actually need in Canada is better scouting. We need those companies to say, we're going to look to Canada. We know they can't come here and perform in front of us, but we're going to look there and we're going to do our due diligence to find the best talent and make sure they get those opportunities. Well, that's not Canada's fault. Then it's these companies that got to, no. but there's so many people though. Like let's say in the States, there's 350 million people. They have a talent pool. So I guess a lot of times like, why would I fucking go to Canada or anywhere in Japan? Exactly. I'm going to find someone here, which is not the best for, let's say guys like you that work their fucking ass off and they perfect what they do. It sucks. But you also have to look at it from their point of view. Like, uh, it must be a pain in the ass to send scouts everywhere and look. And I don't know. I'm just saying. Well, 
every professional sport doesn't. I mean, you know, we're a big hockey city here, yeah. right? You, you know damn well the Montreal Canadiens, they got scouts in the Czech Republic. Yeah, the team they is got, mostly Russians. Yeah, they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be it used to be even more Russians. Yeah. But you know, they got scouts, Czech Republic, Finland, uh, Russia. You know, they got their scouts in all those places. Wrestling, despite being a professional sport, we still call it professional wrestling, hasn't gotten with the times to be able to say, hey, we want to build these companies, these big badass companies with all the best talent. We need scouts in all those places. Uh, I'll give you an example. So one of the companies I really like a lot is Ring of Honor. Yeah. And uh, we've been doing a lot of promoting for them. Uh, they had a big event uh, Friday, the March 26th, where they had their 19th anniversary. So they've been around for a long time. They've produced a lot of top-level talent, guys like uh, Daniel Bryan, Kevin CM Owen. Punk. Uh, yeah, Kev Kevin also. Um, and a lot, a lot of just you know top-level champions and, and legends and whatnot. Um, they currently have one Canadian on their roster, despite the fact that they have a handful of Australians, they have uh, six or seven Mexicans. Uh, they have tons of people from the UK. So, Are you saying we're not as good as the Mexicans? <laughs> I, I think we are probably the best in the world. I mean, I watch wrestling every week. I watch you know, WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor. Uh, I watch wrestling from overseas, from Asia and Europe. Canadian wrestlers, specifically the guys we got here in Quebec, are amongst the best in the world, hands down. So why would Ring of Honor... Go for the Mexicans or the Austra Australians, annoying people. Why would they go for them and not the Canadians? Because it comes down to who you know. Now, the thing is, is that with Mexicans, for example, there are companies, unlike in Canada, where you can work and you can make a living. Now, you had said before, you know, there's nowhere you can work and get rich. And that's true for most places in the world when it comes to wrestling. The only exception is Japan. Now, in Mexico, they have two huge companies, CMLL and AAA. You can wrestle there. And you can make a living. You know, you're not going to get rich, but, you know, by Mexican standards, you can make a living. You it's can provide for your families. So these companies have a working relationship with a company like Ring of Honor. So there's an understanding of a you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, help these guys out. We'll bring some of your guys in. Okay. That kind of thing. We don't have that kind of leverage here because we don't have a company that is, you know, big and illustrious enough to be able to work out like a talent exchange and to navigate the waters of all the paperwork and the red tape that would go along with that. Ironically, I appear on a show, this company, the IWS here. Yeah. They appear on RDS and on uh, the Fight Network. On the show that they have on RDS... It's one hour of IWS and one hour of Ring of Honor. So they're actually literally on the same programming. It's called La Lutte, La Lutte uh, RDS is the name of it. RDS you know, Wrestling. Gave you guys a free plug. Um, <laughs> but it's more, more than they've done for me. No, they've, they've done a lot for me. But uh, <laughs> I'll give them a free plug. The show is literally one hour of IWS, one hour of Ring of Honor. So you'd think that a talent exchange would be a natural next step to do. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, no one except for this guy with a, a black belt in common sense has been able to connect the dots for people. So when it comes down to it, there is sort of a, a precedence there that this can be done because Mexico's done it, but no one's pushing the envelope, again, except for me, so that this can happen and that Canadian wrestlers can finally get the visibility, at least in one company. I think all they would need is you would need a strong Canadian company to start producing like wrestling a, like shows. Like a farm team. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're so strong and undeniable, like a farm team, yeah. that the bigger corporation in the States would see this and be like, who the fuck is this guy? Mm -hmm. Get him on the show. That's what we don't yeah. have here in That's Canada. That's what we don't have here in Canada. But we don't have a lot. Like in Canada, even, like, there's no. so many feet. Look at Montreal, just with comedy in English. God damn, dude, it's almost non-existent. We have yeah. one comedy club. 
It, it, a lot of the, st- I don't know, it's because we're less people. A lot of it suffers. For you guys, it's fucked up because you put your body on the line. So you have a limited run. There's years where you mm-hmm. could do your sport perfectly. So if it doesn't work out within that time, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. Whereas an actor, a comedian or whatever, technically you can still do your shit at 50. 50, you know, if you're still relevant, yeah. So that you guys have a, you guys have a like a, like the women with their biological clock of when they can have babies. The same thing. You guys have a, you're timed, so that must be fucking stressful. Well, it's an uphill battle, and and that's for anyone in the wrestling business because everyone has that same window. It's just that we don't have the same equal playing field. You know, we have a lot of people who they'll hear what I say, and you know, there'll be some negative. Like like I said, there's a lot of negative coming from within Canada where they're saying, "Hey, you know, like you know, we got too many black guys wrestling." Yeah. Well, none, none of them will say it to my face. I encourage any of them to come say it to my face. There's only but, one uh, on the show. That's what I'm saying. There's too many on this program. <laughs> yeah, we reached our quota. Because you imagine it's like we had one here. That's enough. But uh, when it comes down to it, like yeah. There's been a lot of negative because they feel that, you know, don't upset the way things are. But it's like, look, if we just turn a blind eye to the way things are, nothing's going to ever change. And so you're doing your part. Oh, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm doing all the heavy lifting and I really don't care. I mean, I see people, they got, you know, tons of followers online. They have such a huge platform and they don't want to do anything. They just want to be the typical ho-hum, you know, maple syrup eating Canadian. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be nice and polite and yeah. sorry, nice and polite can only go so far, you know, but at least you got this guy who's, you know, got the gift of gab, who's got enough gumption and enough guts to actually stand up for this cause. And I can tank through pretty much all the negative to get to the positive and make sure that at the very least, someone's going to hear it, whether it's, you know, company in the United States, whether it's the WWE, whether it's uh, the Prime Minister Trudeau, it could be anyone. Hey, don't underestimate the power of tweets and re- retweets. You never know if Trudeau, but you know, if Trudeau ever invites you to wrestle with him, he means something else. Oh, he's, he, I mean, <laughs> he did He did win a boxing match, actually. Yeah, we were watching it last week. We were uh, on one of the morning shows. So the guy that he boxed yeah. is the same senator that helped me in that wrestling match. Really? Yeah. Okay, so th- that other senator, I got to know more about him. He seems like he's down for fun. Yeah, What's no, his name again? Brazo? Pa- Patrick Brazo. Brazo yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he seems like he's uh, he's into it. He uh, he lives here. I, I could maybe try to get him as a guest. Try to you. get him. I'll talk to this yeah. guy. This guy seems... Well, <laughs> you, because you love wrestling. You've always yeah. loved wrestling. Yeah. Did you ever think of getting into wrestling in any capacity? Not just to wrestle, maybe manage. He has wrestled. I, I have wrestled. It's In high school, we used to have a, um, a federation called the LaSalle Wrestling Federation. And as a kid, everybody, Sounds low wanted, budget. everybody wanted to be a wrestler. So in the group of friends that we had in high school, uh, we made a wrestling organization. We used to wrestle on the grass at lunchtime. Okay. Just entertaining people because we loved wrestling. Then it got to a point where let's do an event. So we were graduating that year and they said, if we could raise some money for the school. I said, oh, personally, I wasn't making any money off it. I want as much people as possible to come. It's high school. You're going to start getting money off these these kids in high school. So I said, let's charge 50 cents a ticket. I got 350 people sitting on the floor after uh, after a day of school. Uh, set up a, a makeshift ring that I made into made in my head with mats and uh, tennis poles and and, and whatever nets. you had around. Whatever I had in the gym because I I set it up that I had gym the last class of the day. So that whole that whole class setting up the whole thing. People sat on the floor. We did a little ramp with the music, with the buzzer. It was a Royal Rumble. And, uh, and not to cut you off, but I was one of those people that paid 50 cents to watch his show. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, was, I was a few grades younger. And yeah. uh, to me, this was the greatest thing ever happening. The funny, the funny story is, is that I did somewhat of a, a tough enough. So basically, I was trying to get new talent, new, basically new talent, the, the younger grades to be involved. Okay. So I asked the younger kids if they want to be involved in the next event. 
and Jeremy was one of them. Eight to the Tracks was one of them. And Bruno, right away, you're like, look, kid. Bruno was no one black of them. guys. No black guys in this. We're doing this Canadian style. <laughs> in the end, he already had one. In the <laughs> end, I ended up cho choosing eight to the Tracks to be in in the next event. Okay. Over him? Instead of him. And now we know why. <laughs> so there you go. So it, everything, but You son of a it, bitch. It all comes full circle in the end because now we work together. We were always friends, but it's just it just goes to show that it's a small world out there. Wait, so, so you were a kid. Yeah. But you probably loved professional wrestling yeah. at the time. Oh, yeah. And then when you saw that, did it click like, oh, fuck, it's possible. Like I could do stuff. Look at these guys. They're just yeah. setting something up in the gym. Did that help or? Oh, no. I had my aha moment like way before. My, my whole thing was always finish high school and then I'm going right into wrestling. That was. Oh, I, you were committed. Man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest fan I know. Like I've, I've been a wrestling fan since I was five years old. And uh, I always was, to me, it's like that's the only thing I want to do. I'm going to introduce you to someone. I'm going to introduce you to someone one day, my buddy Dano, who is the first friend I made in high school. I know Dano, I think. Dano, you probably know Dano. I, I know of, yeah, he he would go to a lot of the, the shows at the Bell Center. All, and all that the stuff. shows, whatever yeah. you want. He uh, And remember back in the day when there was the, what is it, uh, Between the Ropes? In the Ring. In, in the Ring. the Ropes, yeah. Uh, on, um, on radio, and you could call in, all that stuff. That was when he had introduced me. That's like my buddy Corky, I think, was working there. And I know was, Corky. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Big guy. Small, Big yeah, guy. huge guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's lost a lot of weight now. But yeah, so we, we know a lot of the same people. Yeah, so growing up, that was when I went to high school. My buddy Dano is the guy who really got me into professional wrestling at the time. And he was more in love with WWE, but he loved all of it. He, he knew everything. He would call that stupid. He told me the other day he would call that Bell Hotline. Mm -hmm. um, CTV used to have it. The CFCF. CFCF, yeah. 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 And they would give you rumors about wrestling and all that. And he knew everything. He'd go to school the, the next day and he'd be like, listen, guys, this is what I think is going to happen tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it on the grapevine. <laughs> there, there was no internet back then. No internet. So the internet, and, and even after a Monday Night Raw, when we were a kid, we we were too young and we were too young to say let me call my friend at eleven o'clock. We couldn't do that. We had to wait till we got into high school, to school the next day, and talk to all our friends about what happened on Monday Night Raw. So that was how we got excited. And I'm glad that I didn't shatter Jeremy's dreams by not picking him and picking eight to the tracks. But ah, uh, you know, I was, I was a little I was a little bitter about it. But uh, at the end of the day, I said I knew I was going to find my way into wrestling. You know, I'm and, glad you did, and uh, found my way to you guys too. There you go. Uh, I wanted to get back to you about about Dano though, yeah, because yeah. so. Because we have a common friend. Like, I have a friend of mine, Paul. He was a very Polly big, Pigeon. Uh, yes, Polly Pigeon. <laughs> like, exactly I haven't again. heard or seen that in, in years. I haven't. I'll probably give him a call today, tell him I was, yeah, I was yeah. on here with you. So um, Paul was like the, the mutual friend between uh, Dano, and there was another, another friend of his, Mike, also. Oh, uh, Nemo. Uh, I Mike, long hair, beard. Yeah, yeah Nemo. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so Dano, now it's funny because we taped an episode of Jofo in the Ring where we had Devon Dudley on the show. You know what happened with Devon and, and Dano at, this, at, this the, is, at the Bell Center? This, yeah. is, this is where I'm going with this. This is where I'm going. Because you, you were on the episode with me, right? No, no, it was Kyle. You were? Kyle. Did you? Okay, so. Dude, Devon was going to kill him. Yeah. Please, t tell us the story. <laughs> okay. So it was a, it was a, a house show. So I, I think for people who don't understand, a house show is, um, they do a show at an arena like non normal, non but it's non-televised, yeah. but they're still there. Yeah. Dano, and I was supposed to go and I didn't go. It's so funny. He's like, I have extra ticket. Come with me. And I was doing something like, I can't go. During a match that Devon was wrestling, <laughs> Dano was yelling and making fun of him for the entire of the match to the point where during the match, he turned around to look at him to ask him to stop or whatever. And Dano told him, fuck you, what are you going to do? It went crazy. To the, so this wrestler's taking all this shit. Okay, the event is over. Dano's downtown outside somewhere. Who's walking by? Fucking Devon Dudley. Oh my what God. does Dano do? Start shit with him again. 
Now, Devon, there was a picture back in the day. This is when websites, wrestling websites first started. There was a face-to-face photo of Devon and him. Dino used to work at a building a block away from here. He had gotten hit by a car. So he had a lot of back, because Dino wanted to be a wrestler his whole life, but he had got hit by a car and it fucked up his back. And that's when he started to give up on that dream. Okay. Devon was like, yeah, I'm going to fuck you up. And Dino, his, he's like, shit, I don't want to get my ass kicked. He's like, really? You're going to hit a fucking guy with back problems? You're going to look like a pussy. Oh, Is that really what you're going to do? And Devon was like... Is it worth it? I want to kill him, but is it fucking worth it? Like, cause he's like, you're gonna beat up a handicap. I think that's what he was saying. That's what he was saying. You do it, and then it went around in the media. Like there was in the, in the wrestling media, in the wrestling community, there was photos online. People took little videos, wow. whatever we had at the time, cell phones of Devon and Dan, and it caused the whole ruckus. Yeah. So, so we we had Devon. Thanks to this man, uh, he he got us Devon in an interview on the show. I, I did, like Devon. I conducted the interview along with uh, Kyle. And at one point in the interview, because I knew of this story, because like, you know, I know these guys. So when when I had him on, I said, I want to ask you about, uh, you know, you have any memories of Montreal, that kind of thing. And he's, you know, went into some other stories, some lighthearted stories. And I said, there was one incident I remember from a house show where you got into it with a guy and I bring up the whole story to him and he kind of. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I, I remember, because I remember going online. At, well, first of all, I saw it. I wasn't even sitting that far from him. He, he had good seats. He was like right up at the front almost. He was maybe front first yeah, or second yeah. row. And I saw when Devon and him had the altercation, I was like at the entrance way, uh, more or less like, uh, I'd say maybe like fifth or sixth row, but right like on the entrance where they came out. And... Um, I remember seeing that, and then afterwards, I wasn't there at uh, at the parking lot, but uh, I went online, and there was like Devon fan altercation. <laughs> I, I clicked on the link, and I see this picture, and I mean, I, I don't know if we can, we can still find it online. I kind of tried to find it before the interview, but I swear, like the picture, it was almost like Devon had him by like his yeah, collar. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was. Right she was about to, yeah. And it looked bad, and I remember that you know we would get shows maybe every like uh, you know four or five months, maybe twice a year. At the next show. I was hanging out in the in the, the at the parking lot because he was one of the guys that was always there early trying to meet the wrestlers and yeah. stuff. And we were talking about it, and he's like, "Oh, you notice uh, the Dudleys are gone now? <laughs> you notice they got they got fired? And he's like, they got fired because oh of me." And, and and crazily enough, I saw a shoot interview with uh, with the Dudleys with both of them, like right after they had jumped to, to TNA and they became Team 3D, and they were like, "What uh, what led to your departure?" And the answer they gave was, "Oh, well, you know, the they didn't protect us. Something happened." And the office didn't protect us, and they, they had to let us go. So I really think, <laughs> to this day, to this day, wow. the story never came out. I yeah. really think. Yeah, Dano got him fired. Dano ended wow. up getting them fired. The, and yeah. I'm going to say something on record, and I got you guys both over here. I'm going to say this on record. And I know that we were hanging out on Sunday. It was 100% his fault, and he deserved to get his ass kicked, and he knows it because he started it, right? He started. It was 100% his fault, and it's kind of funny that the Dudleys – had that situation happen and they had to leave the organization when it was a hundred percent him being an asshole That's that caused crazy, this. Man. Well, the story I remember, cause I think <laughs> he even like gave some quotes and stuff and he had said like, Oh, you know, he, I, he injured my back. I, yeah, yeah, I, have, yeah. I have damage to my disc. Yeah. yeah. The Dano blamed him he, for the he, back he, injury. Like, embellished. Yeah. He, he embellished what happened. <laughs> I want to meet this guy. No, we, we wanted to get him in an interview. We wanted to get him to respond to it. And I was going to actually try to track him down. Because, oh, throw me. Yeah. I'll give you his number. Yeah. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind <laughs> having a him in small there. world there. Yeah. Yeah. Small yeah. world. But I know all those people. I was one of those fans at the parking lot of the Bell Center for all the events that would come here. I'd get there at like 7, 8 in the morning. Oh, I'd want to meet everyone. I'd see Vince drive. I'd get there before Vince freaking McMahon. I never and, got to meet Vince, oh, but I've met Jeff Hardy, and, Hogan. And Dano, Dano jumped on Vince McMahon's limo too. 
He <laughs> did jump on a limo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, you don't understand. Poseidon, I know you're over there. You're trying to produce the fuck out of this. However, I am telling you. Oh, no. Wait, wait. Did, go did say, that, say that into the mic. I found the image of Dano and Devon Dudley. <laughs> I'm sending it to you right now. Send it to me, and I'm gonna. So when people see this, I'm gonna put it on screen. Oh, it's no. definitely we, we, worth we it. We gotta get. We gotta get it to Bruno for our episode yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, dude, it wow. was. And I remember the time I was like, "Are you serious?" He's like, "Yeah." And then uh, you know he was gonna beat the shit out of me. Yeah. So I told him, you know, "Hey, do you really want to mess with me? I have you know back problems." Nah, nah, nah. And then he pushed me, so my disc is fucked up. And I told the WWE, I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah, he got him fired. <laughs> I, I, I mean, th this guy, I, he'd be worth an interview. This is it. This was the photo. Here That's you go. Crazy. That guy. Yeah, wrestleview.com. Look at that. That was it. <laughs> that was Dano, yeah. <laughs> Dude, with his leather jacket. And it's crazy because looking back at it now, I didn't realize how much like power some a fan that claims he's injured could have over someone's career because yeah. he sideswiped the Dudley boys. Yeah. Literally. And I like the Dudley boys. We all love the Dudley oh, yeah. boys. Yeah. God, it, it, it's it's great. And this predates like this predates TMZ. This predates yeah. uh like like Twitter even. Th yep. this, like this must have been I can tell you the exact this was like two thousand four, I wanna say. Or thousand four, thousand five. Yeah, yeah, this was a confident. long, long time ago. Like wow. it predates all that stuff. And this was I remember the picture, the story, and in bad publicity, and I'm I'm Pretty sure that's what led to them being released, and it sucks because those are two nice guys, the Dudleys. Two, two. They've both been very yeah. kind to me in all my dealings with them. Uh, I like listening to them talk. Like even Bubba has a show on Sirius. Yeah, yeah. I like listening to him. Yeah, fuck that. We didn't plan this for the record. Anyone watching this, we did not know. And I just because you were talking about wrestling, and one of my best friends is a psychopath when it comes to wrestling. It was him. I just you know it came in my head what are the odds that's fucking hilarious it, it's a it's a combination of i have a very good memory it's, okay it's one of the things i always get complimented on and and i do interviews with people and stuff i remember everything and uh <laughs> most importantly is i remember where i come from and i remember like in my head i'm still that you know crazy super fan that was outside the bell center wanting to meet guys and stuff that that's still me the business hasn't made me jaded to that and i remember all those other guys that were out there and uh to me that that's who i wrestle for i wrestle for that fan for the fan who's like passionate about this who you know takes a day off to, to go there. I mean, I literally, I miss school to, to go awesome. and, and wait at the bell center and stuff to meet these Amazing. guys. That's because to me, for me, wrestling is school. Wrestling is, is my education. Um, thankfully I have another education too, but you know, I, I want to be, a, a, a you know, a master's practitioner of professional wrestling. Did you uh, wait in line for tickets ever? Yes. There was a time where me, Nemo and Dano had an altercation with like, there was a 50 cent concert. And the 50 Cent concert, I think, was on Friday. And we waited all night. And on the Saturday at 11 a.m. or some shit, the tickets were going on sale for Raw or whatever. It was. So we were there all night with a bunch of other people. That, were, that was my first ever altercation with scalpers, too. That was when Dan was like, no, you can't let the scalper go in front of you. The son of a bitch can buy all kinds of tickets. Anyways, it was the whole thing. And there was the like 50 Cent tour bus or whatever. And we got into this whole thing with this the guy that was giving me attitude. And it was this whole this whole altercation that with happened. No, no, with uh, one of 50 Cent's guys. Okay, okay. And this happened years ago, and I just came to, yeah, well, science like, what? Yeah, with one of, yeah, that's because like, I'm stupid, and I would yell at everyone. <laughs> and I remember, uh, I forgot what the guy said. He told me to go fuck myself or something. For no reason, I just asked a question. I said, like, hey, is that like 50 Cent, like is 50 Cent in there? Like, I forgot what the fuck I said, but it was something benign. It was just a question. And the guy's like, fuck you, you fat motherfucker. It was a white guy. And I was like, what? I get the fuck out of here. Where do you think you are, motherfucker? And then we started this whole altercation, and then we went to eat a mirror because we got somebody waiting in line. But I remember, that's so why I'm wondering if you were ever, if I, fuck, I could have seen you maybe waiting in line for tickets or at the 
for wrestlers, we used to wait all the time and meet with them, take photos. Yeah, we we probably crossed paths before. That's crazy. Yeah. It's uh, I was I was always there. That was the one thing I would not miss. I could be uh, you know, I, I could be I could be on my deathbed. I would not have missed that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, when I had first started in high school, I was starting a new job at Harvey's. I missed. They're like, okay, you start on this date, and I was like. Yeah, that's I got tickets for raw. <laughs> so I have to start a week later. Guys, like, are you serious? Like, well, yeah, we got. I got to be there early because I got to meet people outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I also remember another thing with, with Dano was, um, and you probably know this, that he was he was in the Jericho concert. Yeah, of course. He was, uh, he with was Fozzie. the pig. He was yeah. the pig. Yeah, <laughs> he was, was the pig. Yeah, yeah. Him and Nemo would would hang out there. They would meet Jericho. He he became the pig guy for a while when they would come down yeah. here for concerts. Like wow. a, any wrestling thing, I would go to if it was like an autograph sign or if it was a, a wrestling event or like a Fozzie concert, these guys were always there. That, that's how I became friends with uh, with, with Pigeon, with, with Paul. Yeah, yeah, Pigeon started his own wrestling thing at one point, I think, didn't he? I, he yeah, I, yeah. I wrestled for his dad. There and, you go. And the thing is, I knew him from before that, and then I started wrestling for his dad. I mean, I mean me and him, we were like we're like best friends to this day. You see? Um, wow. Like, he's, and then he became a wrestler, too. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I trained him. Like, he, <laughs> he became a wrestler. He did, I'd say, like, you know, maybe 200 matches. Over the course of like, uh, he had about a 10 year career. This sounds crazy to yeah. people, but there was a whole, it would make a fun movie one day. There was a huge subculture of wrestling in Montreal. Like these, all these people that we just mentioned. And what we're mentioning is the tip of the iceberg. Because what I was involved in was the tip of the iceberg compared to him, compared to Dano, Nemo that were in it. There's such fun stories in it. Because even those, it, was it called Between the Ropes or In the Ring? Remember that? They were, it was two shows. It was two shows. Okay, so that's like, why. So, so here, again, my memory. Yeah. Uh, in the Ring was the first show, which was hosted by uh, Aaron Amadeus. That's and it. Mark the Shark, Brian the Guppy. Brian the Guppy was the one I knew the most because he was involved in independent wrestling also. Great mind for the business. Probably one of the only people that could ever beat me at a wrestling trivia game would be Guppy. This was uh, Friday. Friday night at about midnight. Friday at midnight. Friday, you see that wow. shit? And we, dude, I was part, like, I would call in. Like, we'd call in, we'd become part of the, oh, it's him again. And you'd, you'd yeah. become part of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And you get flushed if you, uh, yeah, you I say, never got flushed. Uh, I never got flushed. <laughs> but, uh, but I would laugh every time. I, like, I think Dano got flushed. <laughs> man, I remember that show. I remember they, they had sponsors like, uh, like Souvlaki Joe's. And uh, mm -hmm. like, I remember the episodes like, like they were yesterday. Dude, it's um, crazy. But then they all had, uh, Between the Ropes was the one that was Saturday. Um, I think it started off Saturday at noon and then they got bumped maybe down in their time slot to Saturday at like around four or five or something. That one was uh, Manny T and, uh, and Guppy that did that one. Uh, I think Tanya Armstrong was on that one too. She was, uh, I got to know her too. She was another big super fan, black girl. Oh, she probably remember. Yes. Her. I, um, she, Fuck, she also a... became a ref in wrestling. She became a, she was the, in fact, as far as I remember, I think she was the only female referee, uh, here in Quebec. And, uh, and I had done some road trips with her too, like me, Paul, her, um, we had like another little crew. That's where Paul and I started really becoming close was when I was wrestling for his, his dad's company. Um, you know, I, I knew him as being a wrestling fan before, and then now I'm wrestling and, you know, we're, I'm seeing him at shows pretty much every month. And then he started getting really more involved in wrestling and going to like all the pay-per-views. So he wanted to do like all the WWE pay-per-views. And I think he succeeded in doing it all of them in a calendar year. And the ones that were close, you know, when there would be a spot in the car, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll come along. So I went to, like, we went to Charlotte, North Carolina together for the return to DX, uh, 2007, Vengeance. Uh, we went to Chicago um, for a pay-per-view. We went to, we'd go to Albany and Buffalo, like, all the time. And he always had the hookups. He knew where the wrestlers were staying. Like, so we'd always stay at the same hotels. Um, sometimes we'd go to the airports. Like, we'd know, we would talk with these guys. They were these... Um, 
these like nerdy fans who would, uh, they had no jobs. They just would like get wrestlers to autograph stuff and they put it on eBay. And, <laughs> oh and my God. That's what they, they made their living doing that. They made like, like kind of like 20 grand a month just selling stuff on what eBay. What the fuck? Because, yeah, because because the only way to meet these guys. You have not, to go. Is you have to like wait for them at the airport or at the, the hotel, right? So we would talk with these guys and they'd give us all the hookups of, oh yeah, the wrestlers come in at this time and usually they stay at this hotel. And so they were feeding us all the, the info and that's how I met like, tons of people before I even like, you know, got my first WWE tryout. And it's funny because then I'm getting a WWE tryout and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, remember I met you at this place, uh, at this hotel, we, we hung out in the lobby and ate pizza. Oh yeah. We went to that bar. Oh, it helps. Like, yeah, like yeah. I was me. That's why I was so loose around all the guys because I'm like, I met these guys already. So when I had my first like tryouts and TV tryouts stuff, like I'd already met them. Like I always tell the story about edge where it's like edge was the first wrestler that I met. Uh, I went to, um, you know, if you, you were a big enough fan, maybe you were there too, where they would do those charity softball games. I know, but I've never been to one. Okay, so they would they would do those, and um, I was in line. I actually cut the line like crazy. The line was, there must have been like 500 people in line. I somehow managed to butt my way into like the first 30. Just there was like a, a ruckus, and I kind of snuck in. Um, and no one wanted to call me on it, I guess. But I got to, I was about to meet the New Age Outlaws, uh, Road Dog and Billy Gunn. And then they switched them, and it ended up being Edge and Val Venus. So, like, there's this picture of, like, young, uh, I don't know, eight, nine-year-old me with uh, with those guys. So, Edge was, like, the first wrestler I met. And then I met him a ton of other times. I met him at one of Jericho's concerts here. Um, I remember I heard he was at the radio station at, uh, at Team 990. So, I took a detour from going to school because I was at Dawson, which wasn't too far from there. Went down to Green Avenue and waited for Edge for his interview to be done to meet him. As he, and he was, like, coming out, just going straight to a limo, probably being, like, flown to or driven to the airport to be flown to somewhere else. And uh, I met him there. So I met him a bunch of times. But this one time I met him in uh, Massachusetts, in, in Boston, he had just won the WWE title. And uh, it was a match with him and Batista. And I think it was him, Batista, Undertaker, a triple threat. And um, he won the title. So he drives up to the hotel. And there's about, I'd say about 12, 13 people there waiting for him. And he drives around to the back to, to, to park his car. And we thought he was doing it just to avoid the people. So I kind of walked there. I'm like, I ah, know Edge. I met him a couple of times, you know, like whatever. Like, I'm not scared of these guys. And I walk up to him and he gets out of his car. He's got his bag and he's walking away from me when he clearly sees me and he's walking away from me. This is also the dead of winter. I had my, my long winter coat. I had like a long leather winter coat, almost like a trench coat. Uh, I had a toque on and stuff. Um, so he's walking away and then I start walking up to him and he's walking faster. And I'm like, oh, so like, you know, Edge has become a jerk now all of a sudden. Then he gets to the door and the door doesn't open. And now I'm as close to him as I am to you, but his back is to me. And I'm like, hey, Edge. He's like, yeah. And he turns around. He's like terrified. I'm like, hey, um, you know, can I get a picture with you and would you mind you know, signing some autographs for these fans? They, they wanted me to ask you. Yes, as long as you don't hurt me. So in his mind, he thought I was someone trying to mug him. <laughs> Oh, because you're... Because oh. I, I have my toque on and my, my coat and I was like following him and he thought I was someone trying to mug him. I'm like, no, I'm not trying to mug you, man. I love you, man. You're, you're Canadian. You know? It's like, I'm Canadian too. Oh, that's We're, funny. So <laughs> flash forward to like, that was, um, I'd say probably like in 20, uh, 2008, let's say. Uh, yeah, it was definitely 2008. I had my tryout in uh, right at the start of 2010 and Edge was one of the guest speakers there. So he finishes his speech and everything, and then I start talking with him, and we're talking for about you know about four or five minutes, and I'm like, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but like we met each other before, and he's like, yeah, you do look familiar, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I met you uh, when I was really young, and I start listing like all the times I met him, which at that point are like six times, and he just stops me, he's like, no, no, you were that guy in Boston, 
you were that one that snuck up on me in Boston. I thought I thought you were trying to mug me or something. <laughs> and every, without fail, every time I meet Edge, I always will tell people like, you know, hey, uh, Edge and I have met before. And, you know, he knows he knows me. Like, he literally will call me Jeremy or call me Prophet. Like, he, he, the Boston mugger. It, no, it's, it's, like, it's like a first name basis. Like, you tell him Prophet, like, he knows exactly who I am. And then I'll say like, yeah, you know, we met a bunch of times. And then he'll always bring it up. He'll be like, yeah, and that time in Boston where you scared me. That's fucking. That's, Edge seems like a cool dude. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty cool. He's dude. pretty cool. Yeah, I, I always like Christian better, but uh, you know, just so happy. Christian guy, yeah. uh, always like Christian better. Christian, I like Christian on the mic more. Christian is is a, a gift to wrestling. He is what I love about Christian is his in ring ability, and I love the fact that watch any Christian match. What I think is his super ability is when he's winning, he always makes me believe he's going to lose, and when he's losing, he always makes me believe. And he's going to win. And he's still doing that to this day. Like my favorite, people ask my, actually people, not enough people ask me my favorite matches, but in my top three favorite matches, uh, Christian, when he won the world title from Alberto Del Rio in the TLC match. Edge helped him, uh, a, he a interfered yeah, in that to a, help him out. Yeah, a bit, yeah. but it was well-placed. That's yes. one of my favorite matches of all time. I can't say enough good about Christian. And, and the fact that, you know, Christian, and, and this is, doesn't come from me, this actually comes from, uh, from Paul, from Polly Pigeon. Uh, as he said, you know, Christian, when he was in shape, was in better shape than Edge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's actually... Oh, man, what a what a funny fucking world. Just thinking about that. What happened with your tryouts? First of all, how do you get WWE tryouts? That must be hard. Oh, it all comes down to who you know. Okay. You know, don't, don't believe the hype about, you know, hard work and all these things. Because, you know, you see guys that look like, like proper bums off the street getting tryouts. Good, and, good, because I'm ready to try out. Yeah, you, you could. You easily, you easily could. You look, you look like you could be on uh, WWE's NXT UK brand. No, know? no, I, I wouldn't. I, I think my power in wrestling would be on the mic. That would Com be my power. Commentating? I, yeah, because you don't understand the shit that he does. The yeah, It's fun to look at. And everybody, when they're on the couch, they think they can do it, right? It's not fucking easy. It's no. training. It's all that. And physique, the way he looks, for example. That takes effort. It takes time. He has that down. He looks the part. I won't shut the fuck up and I'll say stuff. I'm good on the mic. I know I know my abilities, sir. All right, like But they don't need like another. Like a Jerry the King Lawler? Or? No, I'd be more of a Heyman. Heyman? But yeah, I'd love to just be a prick to everyone and just hit. But... They don't need that right now. No. What they need is is this. They need young talent they, that they looked apart and they could take the bumps and that's what they need. Well, so. in a lot of ways, I'm the exception to the rule because if you watch wrestling, and this is why I tell people, look, you want to know my place in wrestling. You want to know how good I am. Watch wrestling. Watch, watch any wrestling anywhere in the world. Find me another guy that looks the way I look, that moves the way I move, that their wrestling is as athletic and as vicious, violent, and believable and that can get it done on the microphone, that can talk people into wanting to see what I can do, that can make people laugh, that can make people, you know, hear something I say, hear me just totally shred a guy on a mic, and, you know, they'll never look at that guy the same. Find someone with all those skills. Even someone, not to say I'm better than The Rock, but even someone like The Rock. I love The Rock. You know, he could, he can, he's got, on the he's, mic, he's he's got, something he's got else. the lyrics. He's next level. Yeah. But as a total package, you know, are you going to see The Rock come off the top rope with a moonsault or a 450 splash? <laughs> Not likely, you know. But don't get me wrong. Rock's one of the one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. But look at my skill set. Find someone who can do all the things I do. I've not met that wrestler. I've not seen that wrestler. And if he exists, I'd love to interview him. I'd love to meet him. But find someone that has the look, the talk, 
and the wrestling. You clearly have never heard of the hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever happened to the hurricane? Oh, I was the biggest fan. (laughs) What happened to the hurricane? He's still, he's still, I don't know. He's he's an agent for, uh, he's an agent. agent Okay. That's what he does. Good for him. Yeah. And you're right. The hurricane, he did have a great skill set. He absolutely did. So entertaining. He was one of my favorites, man. Shane Helms. I got the chance. I got the chance to meet him. Uh, We were on two shows together and I had a a great conversation with him because like first time I met him, just the way the card was structured, sometimes, you know, if someone has a match right after yours, you're busy, you know, making sure that your match is going to is gonna go off good and you don't really get the chance to see each other because my match is ending and he's going out for his match, especially if you're not in the same dressing room. So even though I was a huge fan of his, and believe me, like I used to go to the shows dressed as the Hurricane. That was, you know, if, if you think back, maybe that's what you remember me as in, the, in the parking oh, lot. Oh, dude, <laughs> you have a better memory than me because... It all came back because you were talking, but if you weren't talking about it, I wouldn't have remembered specific events, but it was just so funny because you mentioned Devon and it came in there, but you have a better memory I, yeah. and I like that because you but I'll say this spring about, back ideas. Oh, thanks. Uh, I'll say this but with Hurricane though. So the first time we barely even got to, like, I don't even think I got to shake his hand or anything and I was such a big fan of this guy. Fast forward to maybe two years later, uh, and the first one was in Montreal. This one is in uh, Rhode Island. We're in uh, West Warwick, Rhode Island. Um, he's on the show. I'm on the show. And I'm doing, they brought me in for uh, just a Royal Rumble. That's all I'm doing. But it was a pretty good booking because I started early and I went all the way to the finals of the Rumble, even though I didn't win it, unfortunately. But uh, Hurricane was doing a match with a guy who's in WWE now named uh, Ivar, part of a tag team called the Viking Raiders. Okay. And um, on that show, he just happened to go and look at the curtain. My match hadn't happened yet. His was coming up later on. And he just started talking to me and he's like, oh, you know, how's the show been? How's this match been? And then we get to talk, and I'm just like, hey, you know, we met each other back in Montreal, um, but we didn't get, I didn't get a chance to say hi. And he goes into this story where he says, oh, you know, it happens like that sometimes. Like, like me, you know, he's like, I was such a big fan of the Rock and Roll Express when I was younger, because he's from uh, North Carolina. Rock and Roll Express are from around there. And he's like, you know, I remember um, when I was starting in the business, I was a ref, and, like, I got to ref one of their matches, and I was just, like, so nervous because it's like, man, I used to go to shows dressed as the Rock and Roll Express, <laughs> and now I'm there in their match, and I didn't even know what to say to them. I'm like... Man, I used to go to shows dressed as you. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. And then we get into this whole discussion. We're talking about his career and everything. And the best compliment he gave me was after I went out and wrestled in the Rumble, I'm in, again, we're in different locker rooms. He comes over to the locker room and he says to me, like, hey, man, I watched your stuff in there. That was great. And you look stiff. And then, uh, you know, stiff in wrestling, meaning like you look like you're you're killing the guy. And then uh, one of the other guys, the guy I I was beating on, he's like, oh, no, no, everything was safe. And he's like, oh. Cool. Now I know I can work with you. <laughs> oh, that's good. You can look stiff and not be stiff. That, that's the idea. That's You, you want to look like you're killing the guy without actually killing the guy. You yeah, because they're putting their lives in your hands. Oh, yeah. You, you got you to gotta make it look like you're just you know destroying your opponent. The, the best wrestlers are the ones that can make it look absolutely real to the point where people be like, man, how is he able to do that to him? without killing him? How's he able to, to drop him on his head like that and then the guy's fine? How's he able to, you know, hit him so solidly and, and the guy's okay? That's the magic of wrestling and that's what I take pride in is that if you watch a Jeremy Prophet match, you're getting a good dose of violence that looks legit but I'm also a professional and I'm taking care of uh, the person that's in there with me to make sure they can, you know, still perform at a, an optimal level the next day. And it ain't ballet. So, I mean, it's physical and it, it hurts. It is physical. But y- you, you got to understand that hurting someone and injuring someone, there's there's a fine line there. Like, yeah, you're going to feel it when you're in there with me. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not in there to injure anybody. I'm not in there to shorten anyone's career and, you know, take food off their table. Did you, how did, what made you think of starting a show about 
wrestling? Is it because you had to get the shit off your chest? Like, I want to talk to someone about this oh, stuff. This is, it all comes down to the, the prod god, Bruno. Okay, I Bust, like Bruno. Busting balls. You know, like, like when Joeful Podcast started, I was doing Franks with Frank. I was trying to get involved. I was trying to do their social media, helping as much as I can because when they started, I was on the boats. Okay. So for me, I couldn't be involved physically in studio. So I said, let me try to help as much as I can. They're my friends. I like what they're doing. I want to be involved. Why don't you do a wrestling podcast? No. Why don't you do a wrestling podcast? No. After three, four times, and I'm, we're watching wrestling on a daily basis. So I said, oh, you know what, Bruno? Let's let's try it out. Kyle came coincidentally for um, an episode on the Joeful podcast. Uh, figured out that he liked wrestling. The match was already there for us. We we talked and we liked wrestling together. So I said, let's do a podcast together. That's how it started, and here we are today. I, almost close to fifty episodes in. Yeah. Live streams. Now we have Jeremy Prophet on our side, and he's loving well. it. He's good on the mic. He's having fun on the shows. Well, it's 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 to have him there. It's 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 putting us on the map and putting yeah. him on the map as well. And hopefully one day he'll be raising an AEW championship or a WWE championship or a Ring of Honor championship one day. And maybe I'll be standing next to him when he does it. So I we'll mean, see. an AEW one seems more likely because these guys are, are. It seems to me like they're more for okay. Let's get quality. Let's go for quality people instead of just. Well, I mean, yeah, they're getting names, but. They're entertaining as well because the thing is, all these guys are with AEW because they could stay on their Twitch. They could do things on the outside of wrestling. Wrestling WWE can do nothing on the outside on by yourself. So yeah. that's that's what sucks about WWE. But AEW, I think a good fit would, for you would be Ring of Honor, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean Ring of Honor, AEW. Um, you know, I've been I've been softening to the idea of <laughs> WWE because I've had my trials with WWE. So the way I look at it is like everyone deserves a shot. Yeah. You know, and and when I say everyone deserves a shot, sometimes you deserve a shot to succeed. Sometimes you deserve a shot to fail. Uh, you know, I, I when I would put on wrestling shows, I've ran a couple promotions myself. I'd get tons of guys being like, hey, I want to wrestle for you. Hey, I want to wrestle for you. When I hear a guy wants to wrestle for me, I think of myself talking to other companies saying, hey, I'd like to wrestle for you. And why I believe everyone deserves a shot is because if you get that shot and you do well, then you've just shown that you deserve to be there. If you get that shot and you mess up, then you've just shown you don't deserve to be there. But at least that's going to shut you up and be like, eh, you know, I didn't really want to give you that shot. I gave it to you. That's what you brought to the table. That wasn't sufficient. It's why I really believe everyone deserves a shot. So with WWE, it's like I had my shot with them. Some guys get tons of shots. You know, when it, when it comes down to it, um, I used to, you know, wrestle in Massachusetts. And those guys there, they get more Raws and Smackdowns than we do. And that's the only time they try out people is at Raws and Smackdowns. So they'll get like six in a year. I've had four TV tryouts in 15 years of being a wrestler. So, okay, so it's, this is where, why I say with Canada and, and the U.S. It's harder. It, it's so different. I mean, you get only a handful of guys that get chosen to be brought to TV to get a look from the company. And it's only maybe twice a year. And it's maybe, you know, one set of TV tapings on the East Coast, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. One set on the West Coast, Vancouver, uh, Calgary, Edmonton. So that's how it works. So they're only looking at us two times a year, whereas big markets in the States, California, uh, New England, Florida, Texas, these places, they're getting like, you know, six, seven looks in a calendar year, sometimes even more. So that's why the odds really aren't slanted in our favor. But yeah, with a company like, you know, WWE, AEW, uh, Ring of Honor, any of those big companies, look, anyone who will put a work visa in my hand, that's more powerful than um, you know, any amount of money because it'll give me the ability to be able to go and practice my craft, do what Get I better. love to do. 
You know, it, it, it just kills me that we can't go wrestle in the United States. I can't go to big companies with all these guys who, in my opinion, are quite frankly very overrated because ain't none of them a Jeremy Prophet. They all have weaknesses. They all have holes in their games. That's the attitude and you got to have. It, it is what it is, man, because when it comes down to it, all these guys get hype. They get their, you know, high rankings in the, the P, PWI 500 and all these things. The fuck is that? They get all these fans <laughs> that if these fans knew who I was, they would quickly forget who their favorite wrestler was. That's pretty I like much that's what it the is. kind of attitude you gotta have as a pro wrestler. I like that shit. You know, I just realized something. I applied to work at the WWE twice. Really? Yeah, as a writer once, and once as a like a on air like a you know interviewer or post show stuff. And someone had told me, did you mention like did they ask you if you're Canadian or like American? And I said yeah. And said and you said you're Canadian. And I was like yeah, like yeah. Nobody ever looked at it. <laughs> 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 like, nobody ever looked at it. No wonder. You know, I got I got to defend WWE and their hiring practices because uh, they do actually have more Canadians than any of the other companies. So that's a feather in their cap, and they have the ability to be able to get a work visa for you know even guys who have never wrestled a day in their life, which is funny because by definition it's you know an O one visa. It's someone with an exceptional skill. Yeah. Yet they can take someone who was like an Iranian pole vaulter who's never wrestled a day <laughs> in his life, and they can get him a work visa as a professional wrestler instead of someone like me who actually loves the sport. You know, I saw a documentary recently on a a girl who's becoming really popular now, Bianca Belair. Oh, that sounds familiar. The WWE. She's going to challenge for the SmackDown women's title against Sasha Banks at WrestleMania coming up in a few weeks. Interesting. And she was a, a track and field star and uh, all these things. Anyways, pretty much I watched her documentary and all it told me was if I never wrestled a day in my life, I'd probably have a better chance of getting signed by That's WWE crazy, because everything this girl can do, all of her her feats of athleticism, of strengths, of, uh, you know, like I, I can do all of that. There's nothing this girl can do that I can't do. But because I'm a wrestler, I'm viewed under a different light. And that's, you know, one of the things with WWE. They have this stigma of if you're a wrestler, you're judged under this criteria. And if you're some freak athlete, which I am a freak athlete. Um, I'm a freak. But I'm a wrestler. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just a freak. And they're, they're not looking at me. You got to be a freak and not a wrestler. Yeah, if, that's, if, if you're a wrestler and a freak. I got, I got chances then. That's what that means. I got chances to get in the chances. I would just love one day to sit and talk with Vince McMahon. This guy is so interesting, and all the interviews he's done, because he's smart, he's a businessman, have been the interviews where you know how they're going to go. Yeah, I've never seen a Vince McMahon, not to ask him questions that are going to get him in trouble, just shoot the shit, just be you. What are we doing? What did you have the other day? What are we? And just share stories and joke. I think that would be the best light to see McMahon. And could you imagine the stories this motherfucker has? He's got a lot. Of, I, I, you know what? I think he doesn't want to tell these stories uh, he to might, me. He, he might one day. Well, they're, they're having a Vince McMahon uh, biopic. That they're doing. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. He's got yeah. a lot of creative say in that. I mean, I've met Vince. Um, I mean, I met him traveling with uh, with Paul. Uh, we met him at, in Toronto. I have a picture with him from there. I met him also in, in Boston. And then when I had my tryouts, I saw him just about every time. In fact, the first time I saw him, um, we did Toronto and then Ottawa. Ottawa, I got to wrestle on SmackDown. I got an actual match on TV. Um, but didn't see Vince the whole time. He was either in his office or maybe I was somewhere when he was, you know, walking yeah. around, but we didn't see him. He was just, you know, like this, this, uh, this dark Sith Lord that we, we, we didn't <laughs> see. We just saw his, his understudies there. Um, so after I had done my match on the SmackDown shows over, pretty much everyone has left and I'm ecstatic because I got to wrestle for WWE. I got to do the whole thing, walk out in front of the crowd. You know, the match was nothing to write home about, but, um, they still gave me a chance to be on SmackDown, and I can to this day say that you know I got to wrestle for the WWE. So I'm leaving. I'm going to the parking lot to my car, and I'm turning the corner around one of their production trucks around to where I was parked. I literally turn the corner, and I bump into someone. 
and, and I'm, and I'm kind of mad that somebody walked into me. So like, there's this anger that comes over me and then I look and it's Vince McMahon. And he fucking drops you right there. <laughs> oh, he drops me. I, 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 I drop his old ass with, with relative ease. But uh, no, I, I was, it caught me off guard because it's the last person I was expecting to run into. And it was Vince McMahon. And, I, and like that feeling of like anger and like, I'm about to cuss the guy and left. Oh wow. It's Vince. And in that moment, it's just me and him there in the parking lot. It's like I tell people, you know, I could, I could, I could have mugged him, you know, like Edge was uh, profiling me about. Could you imagine you had mugged him, and then he tells Edge, "What's the deal with these black guys?" <laughs> Every time we're alone with him, they keep mugging us. And I, and I just remember, I'm like, I, I think of that moment, and I remember it. And you know, I got a good memory and all, but like. I remember saying to him, you know, hey, it was a pleasure to work for you tonight. And he was like, oh, you know, it was great having you. You did well, kid. And he shook my hand and he patted me on the shoulder. But I realized now I'm like, man, I had Vince McMahon to myself there in that parking lot. I should have really tried to sell myself to him. I should have said, look, what do I got to do to work for your company? Let's, let's, you know, let, let's, let's cut the bullshit here. Like what, what, what do I got to do? And I didn't do that. And I look back and I'm like, maybe I should have. Yeah. With guys like him, you never know. But I think he he's the kind of guy that probably would appreciate that kind of initiative. Yeah, he's um, he seems like, I mean, I don't want to say a nice guy, but like he doesn't seem like this big, scary thing that people think he is. I remember the last set of tryouts that I did, which was 2012, two years after that, uh, I remember standing there with another guy who was trying out, and he had never done a TV tryout. So, you know, keep in mind, I've been around all these guys even before I got tryouts, and now I've been around them a lot. So I'm totally desensitized to all that. And there's Vince and Triple H walking down the hallway in the Bell Center. And this guy's like, oh, my God, it's Vince. It's like, yeah, he almost <laughs> wants to hide. I'm like, what are you doing? Watch this. So um, have, you, have you ever been in the Bell Center in the, the back? Yes, 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 so yes. So there's this one area where it's like it's kind of elevated, and there's a, there's a rail there anyways it's an, there's an elevated area and there's like a rail in front of it and whatnot they're walking they're on a lower lower level so we're like about let's say five feet higher than them and they're walking by this guy's like terrified he wants to go high he doesn't want to be seen and i'm like watch this i'm like hey vince how's it going <laughs> that's what you gotta do right so you're an adult and he looks over he looks over at me he looks up like hey, hey. <laughs> and then triple h was there and he's just like the fuck hey. is that guy? Yeah. yeah like triple h was not was not having any of it <laughs> Like he was, he, he, I don't think he liked that I did that, but Vince was a big smile. Hey, hey. But even Triple H, I mean, he gets a lot of shit too. A lot of people, I think a lot of people talk bad about Vince because of his persona on TV and they take it out on him in real life. But I think yeah, people he's, are he's idiots. a down to earth guy. And like you said, I, I saw Vince the second time I met shame. him, the second time I met him in uh, Boston, it shocked me to see Vince in the hotel lobby the day of a Monday night raw which you'd think would be a stressful day. All his crew goes and, you know, gets in the limo. Vince sees the fans that are there waiting, goes and signed autographs for every fan that was there, took pictures of people, you know, took the picture. How does it look? Oh, it doesn't look that good. Oh, I got to take another one with you. Ah, let's take another one together. I saw him and he was the nicest guy. He was such a gentleman to everybody. And that told me more about Vince McMahon than any story I'll ever hear about him. I, I like making fun of him. I like telling all these. <laughs> but that's jokes, what he wants. That's you know? what he 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 but understands the persona. He loves that, it. Like with, with Vince, I feel too many people they 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 deify him. They they put him on this pedestal, 
And I think that Vince is probably the kind of person, you know, you grow up around money and all these things. Like you're sick of people treating you like that. You yeah. just, you want people to treat you like you're, like you're one of the guys, you know, and like, like, like you're, like you're just another dude. And that's how I see Vince. It's, it's people who grow up and they don't have that respect and adoration that they want to be put on that pedestal. They want to feel like they're, there's something important, but a guy like Vince, I think, you know, he, he just, he's a human being like anyone else. run his business. Exactly. God damn. So then you guys, I didn't ask you this yet. How did you two meet? How did we meet? Oh yeah, like we, I we mean, adult <laughs> life, not when you were kids. Like, how did you say, you know what? Uh, I got a podcast. You want to come on? Like, how did that happen? How did it happen, uh, Jeremy? Okay, I, I'll, think I'll, uh, I'll, I think Bruno was. Uh, I, feel, I, been I, I feel I've been hogging the mic a lot. I was going to let you explain <laughs> right. that one, but the uh, floor is yours, champ. I'm, I'm the one with the memory. <laughs> so, oh, so you know, you remember? Okay. So, so Bruno and I are very close. Well, I was on the boat when when you you came. On the Joe uh, Joe Full in the Ring podcast. Yeah, but we had, yeah. but but it's be well, we knew each other I'll, before. I'll, I'll, I'll lay out the the timeline for him. So <laughs> so I knew him from that thing in the past there with the the tough enough that he did those shows that he was running that he didn't take me for that you know I forgive you for it. Um, you know he, he's he's my favorite out I'll of the, never out, hear the end out, of, out of him and Kyle. He's my favorite. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle's my whipping boy. Um, so yeah, so Bruno and I go way way back. Bruno and I played hockey together. Uh, we were about seven years old. We played hockey together. We played baseball together. Uh, I played hockey for 15 years. Of those 15 years, Bruno and I were on the same team probably about 10 of those years. Oh, shit. Okay. So he is my nearest and dearest friend from my days of playing hockey. And we went to high school together. Um, so Bruno and I had always kind of loosely kept in touch. And I knew he was a big wrestling fan. One of the main reasons why we were such good friends was because Bruno was one of the only other wrestling fans. And like we're talking about back before the Attitude Era and wrestling was like the cool thing and you had to know what was going on in WWE <laughs> if you know you want to be able to have any kind of water cooler talk or you know be one of the cool kids in school or whatever you know those days that hopefully may come back one day who knows um, so Bruno and I were always pretty close so when he started doing the Jofo podcast uh, I started seeing it here and there online, and then he sent me a link to an episode where he talked about, and I think it might have been, was it the first episode? I think it was the second episode when I talked about okay. you. Where he talked about me, and he told the story of, you know, oh, I, I could have had this guy and part of my, my LWF, but I didn't. Now he's Canadian champion. Now he's wrestled all these guys. He's wrestled Scott Steiner and, uh, <laughs> you know, all these famous wrestlers, wrestled for the WWE. So Bruno sent me that clip. And then we started talking, and then they asked me to come in and be a guest. And that was kind of how it started. I was a guest. You and, yeah. you and Kyle, or it might have just been you. It was me and Kyle. It was then, you and yeah. Kyle that interviewed me. We had a fun episode. And after a while, like I'm spinning my wheels, you know, COVID hit and whatnot, and I'm not wrestling anymore. And by the way, I'm a guy who took wrestling very seriously. So like I've been doing this for 15 years. By the grace of God, no injuries, no concussions, no broken bones, nothing. Never had more than three weeks off. Okay. In, in, in 15 years, I have not gone more than three consecutive weeks. Which is tough to do. It is. But, but you know, when you're this good, it's, it's not hard to find work. <laughs> Just, you know, I don't That's wanna, right. I don't want to be braggadocious. But when you it, got it, you're a goddamn pro wrestler. You yeah. should set this place on fire right now. Friend. <laughs> you know, if, if, you want, if you want your listeners, you know, to, 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 to have a, a, you know, a little bit of homework, it's go out there and find a wrestler better than Jeremy Prophet. Really, find a guy who talks as good, looks as good, and performs as good and as diversely. Find that. I want to meet that person. I really do. Because I think if the business had more people like that, wrestling would be a lot more popular. Very true. But like I said, with me, I'm very in demand. And, you know, I know I'm good at what I do. So I like to be involved in wrestling. But without wrestling, physical wrestling, because of COVID restrictions, I was at a bit of a loss. So it was me that reached out to Bruno 
And around the same time, I think he was thinking of maybe trying to figure out something for me. And I said, look, I want to come on board with this full time. And I think I can help you guys. And I said, um, and I don't know if he ever discussed this with you, but I had said, I don't want to be the star of the show. Yes. I, I just, I want to play a part. I don't want to take away from what, you know, Frank and Kyle are doing in the show. I want to be, just a, I want to be a little bit, a little bit of extra seasoning. You yeah. know, just 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 that. I I don't want to be the whole the whole cake. You know, I just 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 a little icing on the cake. That I'm fine with that. I think that you know I have some contacts. I can you know help to get you guys some good interviews. You know, add a little bit of insight. But I don't want to be the the main attraction. I don't want to be the star. I want you guys to have that platform and succeed and take the credit and the success. I, I just you know you guys are my friends. I don't have many friends uh, that I grew up with that I still get to be in touch with and whatnot. So it was cool on all fronts. And then uh, on top of that, my actual education is in journalism. Um, and, and I had hosted a, a wrestling show before. I used to host, um, what was our show called? Ringside Report Okay. with, uh, with uh, my buddy David Simon. Uh, we did, well, he hosts Ringside Report. Our show was called Wrestling Uncensored. We did that for a number of years. Started at Dawson and then got it on uh, TSN Radio. So it was a natural fit for me on many levels. And now, you know, I get to bring that same kind of expertise and knowledge to these guys. And to me, it, it, we succeed together is how I always say it. It's yeah. not like, you know, you're talking about you'd like to see me with a championship in Ring of Honor or in, in AEW. You know, if I get that, we all win. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the same way I want to see the show get tons of subscribers, tons of views, you know, get, get to the point where we're like, uh, where we're giving Hannibal a run for his money with his <laughs> channel, you know, that kind of thing. Hopefully one day. Because we all win if yeah. we get there. Who's Hannibal? Why does that sound familiar? He's a good friend of uh, Jeremy Prophets. He's uh, he's got the the biggest Canadian uh, wrestling combat channel. sports channel. Yeah, All, in Canada only yeah. wrestling or or combat, combat sports. Uh, combat, in general? combat sports. Combat too. sports. Yeah. Really yeah. good for him. Yeah. The the Hannibal TV. Hannibal TV. I think I've seen. I think I've run on videos of him. Subscribers on yeah. on YouTube. Does he? Uh, is he from Montreal or no? He's from Ottawa. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. Been a friend of mine for a long time. Um, you know, I've, I've been the one guy who stuck by him when, you know, a lot of people stabbed him in the back and all kinds of things and he proved them all wrong. And he built one of the biggest channels. He built an empire, uh, just through, through hard work, sheer hard work and will. Yeah. Uh, I remember when his, when he called me up the first time and he's like, Hey, I'm thinking of starting a little podcast thing. You know, he didn't even have, you know, had a, maybe a handful, hundred subscribers and it's 250,000 plus now. <laughs> Top channel gets more views than wrestling companies. That's what's insane is that he gets more views than uh, the NWA, than Ring of Honor, than all these other companies. Like he 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 beats wrestling companies than New Japan Pro Wrestling. Does he do rumors and stuff? Let's talk about that because uh, I always he, find rumors and backstage stuff are fun. People oh, yeah, like especially that, especially from guys that are in the business as well. Yeah. So you mm. could relate. No, to he, them, right? he covers everything. There's there's career interviews. There's uh, he he reads the the news and rumors of the day. Uh, he'll do lives. He'll, he has matches on there too. In fact, most of the stuff you find of me is on Hannibal TV. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, he's he's built an empire. Who's uh, here now in the city? Like, is actually here? Is Kevin Owens here, or is he with uh, the WWE? He lives he's in, in Florida. Florida now. Yeah. Lives in Florida. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with Sami Zayn. Yeah. Who cares about Sami Zayn? <laughs> it's literally the most. I think the most requested guest I've had was people are like, "Can you please reach out to him?" And I never did because I I I don't have a like I don't know any, anybody to reach out. So I don't want to do the online Kevin thing. Kevin or Zayn. Zane. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kevin, people ask too, but um, I don't know why. I never they even thought live, of him. They live in Florida now. They used to live in... But I Sammy Zane, people are they're like, you trust me, it's going to be fun. He's, no, he's, he's, a, he's, yeah. a, he's a character. Yeah. I think it might be fun, but I never even thought of reaching out to pro wrestlers. 
to bring him on? WWE, Only Jericho I've reached bringing out Bringing guys from WWE, I think it's a lot harder to get guys on your show than, than let's say, AEW guys or Ring of Honor guys. I think that's the contractual obligation just Where to they're do... tight. Th exactly. Yeah. So maybe if they're not allowed to do it or... But you have beef with Sami Zayn? This is wrestling beef. I like this <laughs> shit. No, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like Sami Zayn. <laughs> on a personal level. Oh, on a personal, a very personal what level. What happened yeah. with you and Sami Zayn? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sami, Sami Zayn, someone, someone should like, like douse him with gasoline, light him on fire. <laughs> that bad? What did he do? Sami Zayn, he's a backstabber. He's, 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 <gasps> a, he's a two-faced jerk, a two-faced snake. <laughs> I can't and tell what's real or what's not anymore. <laughs> no, no, it, this is this is real. No, I'm, I'm, this I'm is a, not kayfabe. I'm, I'm the harbinger of truth. I would, okay. I would be doing a disservice to all your listeners if I was going to come on here and say something that wasn't yeah, true. Yeah. Really, he's an asshole. <laughs> I've told the story many a times. What? Many, what? There's a story. I'm listening. Let's go. Many a times. Let's go. This gives me more of a reason to reach out to him because then he could come and talk about this story. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, you what could happened? bring him on. I'd love. To, uh, no, actually, I wouldn't really. I could couldn't, could not care less. I want to hear this. Um, and he'll tell you, but I'd be curious to know his version of it. So when I did my first tryout at TV in 2010, this would be at the, the second day. So we did Raw the first day, was in Toronto. Second day was in Ottawa. He wasn't signed it. He wasn't with WWE or anything. He was just a you know, guy working the independents. Uh, I think he was actually with Ring of Honor at the time. And so... I was I was doing pretty good. I was like you know making friends with everybody. Uh, I had cornered John Laurinaitis, who's the head of talent relations, yeah. and because I'm all business when I'm there, and you know that that's just me. It's like I'm focused on something. I go for it. I get it. That's it. Take hey, you're there prisoners. to do a job, not to fucking eat ice cream. Exactly, exactly. And you got a bunch of guys, you know, laughing it up, talking about Hulk Hogan and stuff in the in the changing room. It's like, why am I here in a, in a glorified you know, janitor's closet with a bunch of guys who are you know never gonna do anything in the business here? All right, and, I like and your they're laughing, having a good time. It's like, no, I'm serious. So anyways, he was there and um, I cornered John Laurinaitis and I could see he was one of the guys like, you know, peering his head around the corner of like, what's going on here? What's going on? thinking? I don't, I don't know what he's thinking. I can't put myself in his head. But anyways, Laurinaitis eventually took a liking to me because I stood up to him. I had you know a good amount of confidence and whatnot, answered some of his trick questions with ease. They took me away. They brought me into a room, shot some promos with me. They wanted to hear how I talked. So we did that. The other guys, I don't know. They, they, they weren't really taking a look at any of the other guys like, like Zane and all them. And then the next day, as soon as I get there, change into my gear. I'm down by ringside because Lauren Ias had told me, we're going to get you in the ring. We're going to take a look at you. So I'm ready to go. And uh, Kurt Hawkins and Lance Archer, uh, I don't know if you know who they are. Lance Archer's in AEW. Kurt Hawkins is with Impact Wrestling. They were in WWE at the time. And they come up to me and they're like, are you Jeremy? I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, you're getting, uh, we're going to wrestle you tonight on SmackDown. Oh. I'm like, okay, cool. So they're like, yeah, you know, Pat Patterson told us that you're really good. So, uh, yeah, we're going to wrestle you tonight on SmackDown. So I already have that match. Everything's good. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm standing by where the ring steps are. Zane and Jamie Noble and Billy Kidman are standing in the entranceway. Uh, pretty much, so we're, we're not far from each other. Like, I'm as close to Zane as I am to uh, Poseidon over there. Okay. So Kidman and Jamie Noble ask him, hey, we need one of these guys for a dark match. You know, so... Um, who should we take? So he starts selling himself and he starts saying, oh, well, you know, you could use me. And then they're like, well, we don't know if we could use you. You're still under contract with Ring of Honor. And, you know, you're El Generico. What could we call you? You know, yeah. and he's like, well, maybe you could call me more Generico. Maybe, you know, we could we could figure out something like that. And, you know, I, I don't blame him for, you know, trying to sell himself. Yeah, he did the yeah. smart thing. So then they're like, well, we can't do that. Like, but do you know any of these guys? And he's like, oh, well, I know this guy, uh, this guy over here is a guy named uh, Josh. I think Josh Abercrombie was his wrestling name. Um, he's like, I know Josh over here. And then, you know, they responded, well, no, we can't, uh, that guy, he's too pathetic looking. That's uh, fine. <laughs> so, so, so then, then they said, you know, what about me? They mentioned me. 
Now, Kidman knew of me because I had already done a week-long tryout in Florida for Florida Championship Wrestling. And Kidman really took a liking to me. And so I said, what about him? And he goes into this speech now, Zane, Rami, goes into this speech about, oh, well, you know, I, I don't really know him that much. Um, I, I think he's kind of green, you know, green being like inexperienced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's kind of green. I, I, don't, I don't think he'd be the right. And, that, and the thing is, like most people, you know, human nature, they, they kind of be like, okay, they're over there. They're talking about me. I'm going to be listening. But I'm no, I'm like this. I'm like, go on, go on. Talk, talk about me. You know, I wasn't doing that as a gesture, but I'm like, I'm going to, I want you to know I'm looking at you and I'm listening to everything that you are saying right now. And he's like, and he, and he went on and, and he buried me to them. Now, what? So part of me, part of me is like, well, I already know I have the other match in my back pocket anyways, but I know they take a more serious look at you if it's in an actual dark match. It was going to be with Alberto Del Rio also. What? Uh, that would have been a good fucking yeah, Oh, yeah, look it would have been a great you. match. I got along yeah. super well with him the next, uh, next set of tapings that I, that, uh, that I did with them in 2012. So that ends up happening. And, and oh, he went on a bit more too, because then they, they said, and it's kind of confusing as to who he was talking about, because the next thing they said is, how about the big guy over there? So uh, another wrestler named Drew Onyx, who was uh, on one of our episodes, he felt like they were talking about him. I know there was another wrestler beside him too, um, a guy doing a cowboy gimmick. Um, I think uh, his name, I think his name was, was Blackjack Phoenix, uh, was from the States. Uh, they could have been talking about him too. I don't know. They're both big guys. So I don't know. And he was like, oh, I, I don't really know that guy. And I know that, you know, Drew Onyx had taken a bit of an exception to that because he thought it was about him. I don't know for sure. I know what I heard. I know the words I heard. I didn't hear him mentioned by name. Yeah. But they said, you, how about the big guy over there? You only know about you that he was talking I, shit. Oh, I know about me. Yeah. So <laughs> we went back to catering and I came out of catering and I saw him walking down the hallway and I stop him. And I said, so what was that about over there? And he starts going into this backpedaling. Well, well, man, like I mean, like I, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to put you down. I, I was, I was trying to, trying to, you know, to, to, to get it for me. I wasn't trying to, you know, it, it wasn't about, you know, trying to not get you the match. I just wanted them to, to, to consider me for it. I, I was the one that wanted. It. And I see this, you know, I see him start to, to melt there in front of me, and I'm like, so I, I could get the instant gratification of, 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 you know, like headbutting his, his two front teeth down his throat, <laughs> uh, you know. But what's that it's gonna, not going to help? What, what's that going to get me? Yeah. Is that, that's going to get me kicked out of here. That's going to make me lose the match that I already have. They're going to say you're it's, unstable. It's going to uh, that 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 I'm not worried about. I, I don't I don't worry about how people. I don't know, but one of my podcast friends, uh, he's been called unstable. He's they keep throwing him in a mental hospital <laughs> yeah, like once a week. <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't worry about I don't worry about how I'm perceived because because the way people perceive me uh, doesn't supersede my ability to want to be able to sleep at night satisfied with the person that I am and the level of integrity <laughs> I carry myself with. You want that, you're like, you know what, you're getting a headbutt. But but I didn't, oh, I, I, I headbutt him, yeah, and cold blood, put his head through a windshield in cold blood. No, no word of a lie oh, right there. Wow. But um, when it comes down to it, you know, he had that moment. I decided to, to kind of let it go, uh, but it was still very underhanded. Fast forward to a couple of years later, um, or maybe like a year. Oh my God, the plot thickens. Like a year later, um, I had an altercation with Kevin Owens. What? And, and it was very interesting. Well, yeah, because I don't, I don't let people look, even though these people have a little bit more experience. That's not what I'm me, saying. I'm it, just saying I'm surprised that they're all turning out to be assholes. Well, don't confuse Kevin with. Ah, with, with, okay, good. No, good. No, no, no. Don't confuse Kevin with, with, with Rami because Kevin, I think, is a stand up guy. I think Kevin actually, Kevin actually okay, nice. has, has some balls. Yeah. Uh, that, that's why we got into this confrontation. Uh, Rami is a, is a, is a, a gutless serpent, but uh, Ke Kevin, Kevin's okay in my book. So we got into an altercation. These things happen in wrestling. You know, yeah. it's a, a testosterone-filled environment yeah, yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. 
Um, we got into an altercation. You can you know go on YouTube and uh, see other interviews where I explain it. But pretty much he had said something. So I had said, okay, let's go talk about it. You know, man to man, away from people. There's no witnesses. There's just you and me. And you'll notice in the world that when there's a crowd, people act differently yep. than when you just get them one-on-one. So that's yeah. what I wanted to do there with Kevin. And I'm like, you know, if we got to fight, we got to fight. I don't mind. So we started talking. Amidst our, our disagreements and whatnot, we start to establish some common ground. And even he himself said, you know, yeah, you know, Rami told me that, you know, he told them that you were green and all those things. And he said, you know, he just he could he, he couldn't have allowed you to uh, to get that because you're, you'd be too outlandish about it. You'd throw it in everybody's face. You So this is why I say he put the knife in my back. I had never said a cross word about the guy up until that moment. You know, I thought we were actually kind of cool. We did not, we were not in each other's lanes. Um, I remember even after one of those WWE events, hanging out with him outside of, uh, outside the Marriott there, outside the hotel, you know, same thing, wanting to meet wrestlers and all that. You know, remember talking to him on MSN back in the day a couple of times, asking, you know, for some advice here and there. There was never any animosity. And then he put a knife in my back based on rumors, hearsay, um, stuff, reading on the internet, you know, all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's just like, who, who are you to judge, you know, me getting an opportunity and I'd be too outlandish about it and whatnot. It's like, no, I work damn hard. I work harder than you, clearly, judging by the, uh, you know, pathetic little milk bottle of a physique that you, you go around with in your day-to-day life. You know, I've worked pretty hard in the ring. You know, my body stayed intact, unlike you, with, you know, two bad shoulders and having to get shots in your neck so that you can prolong what's left of your career. Look, when it comes down to it, I've been blessed with a lot of things, but I've also worked very hard to get to where I am. So, you know, to, to go and put a knife in my back to a guy who's never put a knife in anybody's back, because in my opinion, if you got to put a knife in somebody's back, all that means to me is maybe you should just work a little bit harder and then you can get to that same level. I never put a knife in anybody's back, never screwed anybody over in the wrestling business. So for someone to do that to me, I think it's, it's pretty low. And like I said, you know, everyone you see on the way up, you know, you, you're going to see them on the way down. And so that's when it comes down to it is that I know I have more good years ahead of me than he does in his career. I have less miles on my body and I think I'm just built for this a lot more than he is. And, uh, you know, if he, if he ever would want to cross paths with me, you know, I'm not squashing this beef. This is not some kind of a thing of, you know, we'll talk it out. We'll have a handshake. Oh, you know, we'll get along. Oh, we'll be smiling in pictures together. No, I can hold a grudge for a very long time. In fact, I think it's very therapeutic for me to actually hold a grudge because I think it's a human weakness to sometimes let grudges go and to forgive and forget because I don't forgive and I don't forget. Some, th- I, I agree with some grudges you can't, but some grudges I feel like you could. I don't know about this one. Imagine, because he's got an open invite now because I want to hear his side of the story. <laughs> Imagine he comes on and he's like, Jeremy Prophet raped me. <laughs> and they're like, oh fuck, no wonder he's mad, you know? But I doubt that's going to happen. But you know, what if he would, let's say he'd come on the show, for mm-hmm. example, and then he'd be like, you know what? Yeah, looking back at it, I was a fucking asshole. Somebody did that to me. I don't know why I was a prick. I don't know why I was so jealous or whatever. That to me, if I was in your shoes, if he'd be like, look, I'm fucking sorry. I, I, if I could go back in time, I would do it differently, but I was a piece of shit. Yeah. That to me would be like, yeah, I'm squashing the fucking beef. Like you just did. There's nothing more to go with this. It's not like you're saying it's my fault. You're literally admitting to, for some reason, you know, people do stupid things when they're young too. Yeah. People, and I'm not saying, I'm not forget. I'm not telling you to forgive him because we don't know. He might say, fuck that guy. I hate Jeremy Prophet. You never know. I'm just saying it's weird. To, you don't know what goes on in people's fucking heads. People do stupid shit sometimes. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that if somebody does something extremely reprehensible, I don't think uh, an, oh, I'm sorry, I was a different person just suddenly gives them a free pass. True there, I, too. I don't. I think I think it's why we actually, you know, are still prosecuting uh, members of the of, of the Third Reich, uh, despite the fact that World War II is uh, long gone. I think yeah. it's a reason that where there are certain crimes, certain lines that people cross that are still punishable. To me, there's no statute of limitations on... Fucking you know, over an opportunity for me. Exactly. Yeah. God damn, what hey, a... I, I'd, be, I'd be more than happy. Like I said, there's not going to be any kind of a squashing of this beef. There's not going to... I will gladly, you know, go to my grave, and I'll definitely be uh, going to my grave uh, long after he's gone to his, um, holding this grudge and not feeling bad about it and still being able to sleep at night. This is... Uh, hey, look, I'll, I'll be happy if you want to have us both in studio. I'd I, I'd, I would do it. I'd, I'd love be, to I'd mediate and try to find common ground. I, I'd be happy to say the same things that I'm saying right now to his face and, and escalate it to whatever level he would want to escalate it to because... That's fine by me. I mean, I don't say anything t behind someone's back that I wouldn't say to their face because that's a lack of integrity. Yeah. But I would very much say exactly what I'm saying right now with the person here. If it escalates, it escalates. I'm fine with that too. What about Kevin Owens? I don't mind Kevin. You don't mind Kevin. I'm going to reach Kevin, out to both Kevin, of and, Kevin and I had our moment. I respect what he's done. I respect what he's done for his family. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've always thought Kevin was actually, you know, a really good wrestler yeah. too. And so I have no issues with Kevin. Um, I mean, my last memory of Kevin, well, it's surprising because I know Kevin, the last little exchange we had, he there was a video that was posted, and I think he took it out of context without watching it, but I, I tell the story of our altercation, and uh, he's always told the story the same way too. But the last actual face-to-face -face interaction I had with him was right before he went and did his tryouts for WWE. And it's ironic because the day before the last time we met, um, he had already done his tryouts and he's just waiting for them to get back to him on, you know, are they going to, is, is it a yes or a no? So I had done a show with uh, another guy by the name of Jimmy Jacobs who wrestled for Ring of Honor. Uh, we get along pretty well, Jacobs and I. And I was telling him about some of these issues with like, uh, you know, the altercation with Kevin, but more so the, the stuff with, uh, with Rami. And he was saying how, oh yeah, you know, these guys, they had their issues with management and Ring of Honor with Jim Cornette and whatnot. Um, but then he talked about Kevin and he said how, you know, Kevin, I know he's a little worried because, you know, he did those tryouts with WWE and he's worried that they're going to be like, oh, you know, we don't like his body. You know, he's kind of fat. He's a, and, and he was saying how he was explaining to him, Kevin, look, they already knew you were fat when they gave you the tryouts. Yeah. They're, they're just bringing you there. They just want to see what you're made of, you know, and I, I know those tryouts they do. They have them do a bunch of CrossFit drills. It's not to see how good of a wrestler they are. They know the talents there. They just want to see if they can break these people because when you're wrestling, when you're 300 days on the road, when you're not home with your family and all Something that kind of happen. stuff, you know, you, you might have a, you might break down. You might say, Hey, this business isn't for me. You might get burned out. You know, it's why I look at it myself where I'm like, I'm built for this because, you know, I, I have options to take whatever kind of schedule I want. And I don't take days off. I would want to wrestle every single day. And Hey, look, somehow I've never gotten injured doing this. So, you know, when it comes down to it, I I'm made for this business and, you know, being on the road, that don't bother me. N nothing would stand in my way when it comes to wrestling. I am made for this born and bred. I've wanted this for the longest time. Anyways, getting back on track. So I knew Kevin had that bit of a worry. So he's there in the locker room. I remember going up to him and saying, Hey, Kevin, heard you had those tryouts. You know, I just want to say, uh, I think you got a really good chance. You know, I'm wishing you the best of luck. And, uh, I, I personally believe they will hire you. That was my last interaction with And him. you were right. You were right on the money. Well, yeah. Happening, yeah. Well, yeah, because it made sense. And, and he's talented. He's talented yeah, on he's the microphone. Talented, yeah. He's talented in the ring. You know, he doesn't have the, the, the greatest physique, but, you know, he has the mic ability. 
And, and he has, has the, the ability, ability, and he's a he's a yeah. tough cookie. He's lost a lot yeah. of weight though since he started yeah. uh, in WWE, yeah. which uh, which I admire for that. That's he's looking good. But all you all you wrestlers, you're all fucking wacky and crazy. But that's why I like you guys. <laughs> Same thing, comics. We're all insane. Yeah. Um, so I always love hearing this kind of stuff, like the behind the scenes. I prefer when people put a peaceful resolution. There's some stuff that you can't. Like I think anybody who fights with Jim Cornette can't put a peaceful resolution oh. behind it. This guy uh, apparently rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Everybody. Everybody. You too? Do you have a Jim Cornette story? I'm actually blocked from Jim, uh, Jim Cornette on Twitter. He actually. blocked you. There was a picture of, somebody put up a picture of uh, Sonny. I don't remember if you remember Sonny from yeah, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I remember Sonny. Whatever, her tits were sticking out and you see Jim Cornette looking at her tits and somebody made a comment. And I, I, I don't even remember what I said or if I, maybe because I retweeted it or I liked it or I commented it with a thumbs up. Next day, blocked. That's a real photo. You didn't Photoshop like, it? Literally to the point like that, but... I'm not someone that that instigates on Twitter, but to see that, I'm like, okay. Like, this guy talks a lot of shit. You talk shit, and I'm doing yeah. a thumbs up for somebody someone else put up. For, for, for what it's worth, I don't mind Jim Cornette. I, I really don't. I, I think that he has certain opinions that differ from mine. Uh, I had this exact conversation yesterday when we had Rhett Titus on our, our live episode. He's a wrestler for Ring of Honor that um, I had done WWE tryouts, and he was also at the same tryouts, so we go way back. And he's a very big Jim Cornette fan. I'm a... I wouldn't say I'm a Jim Cornette fan, but Jim Cornette has some valuable knowledge. And I think that the issue with Cornette is that he can say even like one thing that will offend a person. Yeah. But he will take it to such an extent that it will scar people and they will disregard everything else he says, despite the fact that there's Correct. a lot of good advice. Yes. Like, I love the fact that he stresses that wrestling needs to be legit and real and credible, that the credibility of the sport of wrestling is the most paramount element of the game today. And I love that. And, and a lot of what he says, it's like it's stuff that still works. It's not outdated. And, you know, just because he'll say one or two things and people will, will it'll rub them such the wrong way, they'll drag his name through the mud. And I don't think that's the case. Like I said yesterday, I like Vince Russo. He hates Vince Russo. I, I, I love Vince Russo. Yeah, I'm an outsider, so all of it to me is a circus. So I appreciate both of them for the ridiculousness, right? And entertaining, as yeah, well. entertaining. That's why. So I don't have I don't have a horse in the race, right? Russo makes me laugh. He's also a dummy. He's done a lot of stupid shit. But you tell me he hasn't provided quality entertainment at the wow. same time. He has. For me, it's, I'm not in the business. I was never scarred by it. Well, so see, it for guys like that. Well, see, with with Vince Russo, the thing is that he emphasizes that you need to have an entertaining television product. He sees that this is a TV show first and foremost. So you need characters you need character development you, you need that aspect to be able to cater to the non-wrestling fan bro y'all marks bro bro you just marks bro bro, bro. cornet cornet is the is catering to the traditional wrestling fan whereas russo wants to cater to the non-wrestling fan and you need a bit of both you need to please the wrestling fans yeah. but you also need to be able to get more people to 100%. watch 100 percent I, I i can kind of i'm in the i'm in the middle on that one with with the two of them but i, I do like vince russo i think that he's a he's a pretty cool guy uh very misunderstood um you, maybe i just like the underdog in the story here but he wouldn't uh, be so misunderstood if he could speak english <laughs> that would help bro <laughs> and now i'm starting to feud with russo no i like all those guys because to me as an outsider um it's all entertaining and I don't take other people's beefs behind the scenes seriously for my life. Like, what the fuck? The, you know what I mean? It would be like you right now. I'm like, oh, fuck you. Why are you fighting with Sami Zayn? I'm like, I don't give a shit. It has nothing to do with me. It yeah. has nothing to do with me. I'm still going to like Sami Zayn. I'm still going to like Kevin Owens. Regardless, well, I like him a little less because yeah, of the story because yeah, exactly. he's a bit of a cunt. <laughs> exactly. uh, but I would love to actually have him here sitting down and ask him his point of view. I'd love to hear his point of yeah. view. Too. Yeah. Because, dude, sometimes you get a different point of view. And not sure. that he would agree. He would probably still be like, 
still a shitty reason, but I always like finding out what was the reason. There must be a fuck. It can't just be I'm an asshole. Yeah, there has to be. There reason. has to be something in there, which would make me. Uh, it's intriguing. Yo, when is when are people gonna find Jofo in the ring? Do you have a date where new episodes are on for sure? Every Tuesday, seven p.m. going forward as our new episodes. Uh, this week we got uh, Devon Dudley. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be having Chris Van Vliet as well. That we, uh, that oh, we I know that guy with the well. interviews. Yep. Yes, I like that yeah. fucking guy. Yeah, but that was a great interview as well. And uh, a couple surprises here and there coming up. But uh, yeah, the, every Tuesday, 7 p.m., Joe Phone the Ring YouTube channel. In the find. description right now, you're going to find links for Joe Phone the Ring. You're going to find links for Jeremy, for Frank. So subscribe, like, comment, all that stuff, but also follow them. How else are you going to find out who, whose ass Jeremy's going to be kicking in the future? you got to follow him to know these things because he's going to write about it. And then when he's in your city, you can go watch him choke people out, jump off fucking turnbuckles. It's a crazy exciting time. So links in the description. I'm going to thank both of you guys for coming. Thank you. And I have something uh, I'm going to tell you after the show that I think is funny. Thank you guys and go fuck yourselves. <laughs>